see you guys. My name is Matt Wolf. If you're watching online or here for the first time, I'm so glad you're here. I'm the lead pastor. And we here at Stapleton Church, or the church formerly known as Stapleton Church, we are all about helping people follow Jesus. You guys want to know what the new name is for the church? We'll unveil it pretty soon. Oh, you've got to keep coming back then, I guess. Well, I'm glad you guys are here. We're, we're even with a new name that we're going to be um, unveiling pretty soon. We are still going to be all about helping people follow Jesus. And what that means is maybe it's you're just starting that journey, exploring who Jesus is, investigating who he is. Or maybe you're taking another step in a lifelong of following after Jesus. We want to just help you take that next step because it's following Jesus that's the path to your fullest life. And we want that for you, and it's only found in Jesus. And part of that means we've got to have radical priorities. Now, do you remember back at the start of this pandemic thing? Do you know we've been doing this for six months now? Isn't this crazy, this pandemic? I mean, not outside. We've been outside since the end of June. But man, we've been in this pandemic now for six months. And I remember right at the beginning of this pandemic, it was very clear what people's priorities were. Stay alive and get toilet paper. Right? Those were the priorities. Do you remember that back when we were like fighting over like a four-pack of toilet paper? You can only have one. Oh my gosh, well, four packs make it my family last through the week. That's what we were trying to figure out because we had priorities, right? We were radically shifting our priorities. And that was kind of just survival mode, right? And now that we're a few months in, things are shifting a little bit, especially with a lot of kids going back to school. I know a lot of them are still online right now. Some of you are anticipating going back in person in September or October, depending on the school district. But as we're beginning to do that, our lives are now trying to get back into a routine, but it's not even back. It's into like a new routine, right? And I think when we're at times like this, that we're trying to look forward and say, okay, what are the routine? I think one of the most important thing we can do is say, well, what are my priorities? Where are they? And and how do I fit things together? Because our lives are so busy, even with the pandemic, we have too many things to do. We can't get to everything. We got work, we got school, we got friends, we got church, we got all sorts of things that are vying for our time and keeping us busy. And I think right now is a perfect time to reevaluate our priorities. So if you're watching online or if you're here in person, I I just want you guys to to think about that today as we continue this journey of radically following after Jesus as we look at this section of the gospel according to Luke as Luke investigated who Jesus was, a historian, writing down all these accounts. And we see this very short account with Jesus at the home of a woman And from this very short scene at the end of Luke chapter 10, starting verse 38, we're going to see radical priorities come out as Jesus teaches them and in turn us. So I hope you guys have an open heart and open ears today Um, because we are going to get radical. So uh, I I think this is important um, right now. I, I don't know if you guys have seen any studies but I've, I've been looking at some of the studies uh, and how this coronavirus has impacted our faith. And there's some really good things. I, I saw that um, 24% of the country, so about one out of four people have said that this coronavirus ha- has actually increased their spiritual faith. It's 24% of all Americans. And it's, it's some 40, um, let me look it up. It's 42% of evangelicals, so those of us who who are uh, part of that evangelical faith tradition, 42% of us have said we've actually grown in our faith. So almost one out of two evangelical Christians say, I've grown in my faith through this pandemic. 
That's great. We're seeing that. But there's also one very ugly, nasty trend that we've seen. That one out of three Christians in our country have completely stopped going to church. And I don't just mean in person. Okay? There's a lot of people that are still staying home. If you're watching online, we love you. We're so glad that you're joining us. But one out of three Christians have completely stopped church altogether. These were people that were previously going to church. And now, whether it's online or in person, have completely stopped. Now, that trend to me is a little disconcerting as a pastor, right? But what it shows to me is that, yes, people's priorities are changing. And yes, some people are growing in their faith, but others are completely almost abandoning it, at least for a time. And I think because of that, we need to examine ourselves. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're hearing this later and you're like, oops, yeah, that's me. Uh, maybe some of you can think of that person that you know of and say, hey, they were here every week and now I haven't seen them at all. I haven't heard from them. Nothing. Radio silence, they've ghosted me. Okay, I, I want us to think, what can we do to radically prioritize our lives? Because it's got to start with us first. It's got to start with us first. And if you're like, well, Matt, you're preaching to the choir. Yes, I get that. I get that. But it's got to start with us if we're going to impact the world for Christ. So let's look at this radical priority shift that Jesus teaches in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. It's the very end of that chapter. If you're following online or if you have your smartphone, you can look in the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app. We do have the, the service um, under events. You can find our church and the events for that. And, and I'm just going to start reading in verse 38. In verse 38, we read, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. This woman Martha is the owner of the home, meaning she probably either wasn't married or, or she um, had, had a husband die more than likely, but she's the woman of the house, right? She's this woman who owns this home, is inviting Jesus to stay with her, so she's a person of peace, as we saw a couple of weeks ago, welcoming Jesus, a friend of Jesus. And in verse 39, it says, She had a sister called Mary. Because of the way it introduces them, Mary is probably the younger sister. She's still probably living with Martha, but she's not the owner of this house. She's not the hostess. And it says that she, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But in verse 40 we read, But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She's busy, right? Jesus is coming over. Now, if you come over to our house, we're going to be busy getting things ready, right? Like right up to the last minute. After you're there, we're still getting things ready. Okay, anybody like this? Okay, you, you know, you, if you're coming over to our house, just any person, you're like, okay, vacuum, sweep. Oh, we forgot to wipe down the bathroom. Oh, we got to wipe down the bathroom again, right? Okay, you know what I'm talking about? Getting the hors d'oeuvres ready, putting the food out. Oh, we forgot drinks. Let me get you something to drink. And you're busy going back and forth. Oh, let's put that thing away. Okay, ooh. For us, there's some spit up on the floor. Let's clean that up, okay? Moving on to the next thing, because there's always another thing to do when, when you're getting ready for someone to come over, right? You been there? Some of you are working all week to get ready for people to come over Friday night, right? You're getting ready. You're getting food. There's so much preparation, even more so for someone that you care about a lot or that you respect, like Jesus. Could you imagine if Jesus were showing up at your house? Man, you'd want that place spotless. Man, you get that toilet wand out and make sure you scrub really good, right? This, your house is going to be spotless. I remember my mom always used to say, we need to prepare as if the queen were coming over. Did anybody's mom teach you that? 
Maybe you were the mom teaching that. Like, always prepare as if the queen were coming over. Like, because I'd say, oh, I, you know, I cleaned it up. It, it, it's good. And my mom would be like, no, what if the queen were coming over, right? You've got to set the table. That was my job. Like, that's not even a job. And yet that was my job as a kid. I always had to set the table. The fork, the knife, the spoon all went in a specific location. The napkins had to be folded. Okay, maybe a little extreme. Yes? Anybody do, does that? Okay, there's still some hands. Yep, that's how I do it. Any of you had, had a mom like that growing up? Yeah, even a few more hands. And you're like, I will never be like that. We'll put the food on the table and people can fend for themselves. Who, who's like that? Okay, there's a few of you. Okay, glad you're honest. But you still want your house to look good, even if that. You don't just, like, leave uh, what it looks like the rest of the week, right, when somebody comes over. You at least try to hide some things and throw it in the closet. And that's what we do. We prepare, especially for someone important coming over, someone that you respect, someone that you love, like Jesus. So that's what Martha's doing. It's even more important in Martha's culture. In the Middle East, back in the first century when this took place, and even to this day, showing hospitality to people is enormously important. If you don't put back forward your best foot, the best food, everything's got to be great. I mean, people will put together a meal that would cost, like, it's something that they want to eat all month, right? This is just for the guests. This is the best food, the best dishes. You get out the fine china for the guests. Okay, this is as best as you can do. And in the Middle East, in this culture, if you didn't do something like that, it was actually considered shameful. How could you not clean up and get ready for your guests? Okay, it was shameful. That's why Martha is being a good Jewish woman. She's showing hospitality and respect to this visitor, Jesus. And I think we would admire this woman. She's got herself together. She's got her home together, even without a spouse, more than likely. She is still putting forward a beautiful home, a nice spread of food. She's distracted by all of it. And in verse 40... Uh, um, it says that she was distracted by preparations that had to be made. And I think part of it is that there's a lot of work to do to get ready for someone. And, and she sees her sister, Mary, the younger sister, the one who should be helping her in the kitchen, helping her get everything ready, and Mary's just sitting there doing nothing. Can you just imagine what that feels like? Okay, I, I feel that way still. Like when I'm, I'm changing diapers, getting bottles ready, I'm like, Melissa, what are you doing? And guess what? She's always doing more than I am. Okay, let's just be honest, right, honey? She's, she's always doing more than I am. But sometimes if I don't see her, if she's not in my eye, I'm like, why am I doing all this hard work, right? We got twins and a, and a three-year-old, so there's always something to do. Okay? And I'm sure she feels it about me <laughs> about a thousand times more, right? What the heck are you doing, Matt? Come on. Get off your phone. <laughs> Get here, help me out. There's so much still to do. Okay, if you've ever had that feeling about someone else, like, what are you doing? I'm working hard. This is our home. We're supposed to uh, show this guest. This is Jesus coming over. And you can just feel that inner turmoil building up inside of Martha, right? You know what I'm talking about? We've got to get this clean. Why did you leave that out? Why? This food's getting cold. We've got to get it on the plates. Martha's feeling all that building up inside of her. And in the second half of verse 40, we read... She came to him, she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Come on, Jesus. We know that showing hospitality is important. We know that a younger sister is supposed to help the older sister. That's how it works. We know that it's so important to put out our, our, our best food, our best dishes. Jesus, just tell her what to do. She's listening to you, obviously. 
She's not listening to me. I'm sure there's been some comments before this one, right? But in verse 41, Jesus says, Martha, Martha. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. See, Jesus now is putting everything into perspective, a radical priority shift for Martha and in turn for us. That actually, though Martha was doing everything that her culture said she should do, that she was a good woman, a great woman, that she, without a spouse, was putting together this great banquet, a feast for Jesus. Jesus says, no, there's actually something better. I'm sure when Jesus had come in, the house looked fine, right? <laughs> sure, there was some stuff that Martha would see, but nobody else would, right? I'm sure that, that the food would have been great to taste, but she had to have it perfect, right? And Jesus said, hey, it's good enough. There's something more important that you need to see. There's a priority above everything that you're prioritizing right now that actually Mary has right and you don't. So that's the question that we have to answer today. Well, what is it that Mary had right that Martha had wrong? Because it seemed like culturally that Martha was doing her right. Do you know that even hospitality is a biblical um, thing? Like that's a, a biblical command to show hospitality to people, to accept people as Christ accepts you, okay? Accepting people into your home, showing hospitality is so important according to scriptures. In fact, if you're going to be an elder, and very soon we're going to put forward um, an elder nomination so that you guys can vote on, it, one of the requirements for being an elder is that you have to show hospitality. Okay? This is an expectation for leaders in the church. You have to be people that welcome other people into your home to show them love and care for them. So if it's that big of a deal, if it's a, it's a cultural thing, and if it's also a biblical thing, why is Jesus saying there's something even more important than that? Oh, what is the thing that Mary is doing that's right that Martha isn't? You know, one of the questions that often gets asked is, are you a Mary or a Martha? Okay. If you're, uh, I, I just want you to, to look at the person next to you and just ask, are you a Mary or a Martha? If you're online, I want you to type in, I'm a Mary or I'm a Martha. Okay. Uh, I, I'm, I'm Mary that I'm just sitting, chilling, I can, can do that. Uh, or I'm a Martha, I'm always trying to get something ready. Okay, just, just take a second to do that. Type it in, Mary. That's all you have to type in. Martha, you, you know who you are. But here's the thing. I think what Jesus is saying is that we're all Marthas. <laughs> I tricked you there, right? Because we, we often look at it as, well, well Mary's allowed to, able to relax. She can just look at all the bustle and the hustle and just be able to sit down and put it all out of mind, all the distractions away and just sit down. And she does. But it's not like she's sitting down and checking on Facebook, right? She's not on Netflix binging, right? She's not doing nothing. A lot of times we think, oh, I'm the Mary because uh, I, I don't really care about all of that stuff and I just don't work hard, right? <laughs> okay, let, let's be a little honest. Those of you who typed in Mary, I'm sorry. I just called you out. If you're in person, only the person next to you knows that you thought that about yourself. Most of us, even if we say, hey, I'm a Mary, that I can relax more, it's not like we're relaxing to sit at Jesus' feet. <laughs> relaxing to, to veg out, right? So what, what I'm trying to point out is that what Mary is doing is more than just relaxing. It's more than just uh, not being distracted. So I want you to look again 
at verse 39. Because in verse 39, when it introduces Mary, it says that she sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. I think that phrase is so important for us to understand what is going on. That Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. See, we don't really have this language in our culture, but to sit at someone's feet, to sit at someone's feet is actually the posture of a disciple. To sit at someone's feet, that's what happened. A rabbi would teach, and he would teach sometimes seated, sometimes standing, depending on where they were, if they were outside or in a home. I don't know what Martha's configuration would have looked like. I doubt it was the, you know, the, the open living room concept you know, with the bar in the middle. We don't know what it was, right? But whatever it was, Jesus was there, and at his feet, whether he is sitting or standing, is Mary. That's what a disciple does, to sit at the feet of a rabbi to learn from him, to look at him and say, I will learn from you. I'm, I'm submitting to your rabbiship, that you are the Lord, and I'm learning from you as a student and as a disciple. Because the word disciple can be translated as learner. But it's even more than that. I often say there's, a, there's an old uh, rabbinical saying that the, um, the, the disciple is covered in the dust of the rabbi. They're going to follow them. They're going to learn with them. They're going to spend life with them, learning to be like them. And as Jesus explained earlier in Luke chapter 6, that the goal of every student, of every disciple, was to become like the master. So you learn, but it's not just to learn education and knowledge, but it's so that you'll become like the person. So here is Mary, this woman who's willing to say, I want to become like you, Jesus. And, and part of that was not only learning the things, becoming like the character of Jesus, learning how to love people with that radical love we talked about last week. But it's also so that one day I can make more disciples. Okay, a fully mature disciple makes other disciples. So Mary is saying, that's what I want to do. I want to be like you, Jesus, so that I too can teach others. Now, I, I'm just going to give you a little bonus point in there, but this was extremely radical for first century Jewish culture because women were not allowed to be disciples. Okay? The fact that Jesus would even let her be a disciple is radical. I just that's a little bonus point for you. So in case you ever think that Christians in the church are misogynistic, you have no clue because Jesus was radical in allowing women to be his disciples to learn from him. He wanted them to learn, to grow, to become like him and to make more disciples. So, that's a little bonus point for you. And here is Mary doing it. She's learning, she's growing, she's becoming a disciple. And I want to focus on a couple other words in this. When it says that she's sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. Listening. Now, the, the listening here is, is an active type of listening because, of course, like we said, she's trying to become a disciple. But listening is so important because listening, I think, is that thing in our day, in our relationships that we struggle with the most. We had a message about this not too long ago that you, that you can look, look it up. Listen up. I think it was last fall. If you want to grow in that, because we all need to grow as listeners, myself, maybe at the front of the crowd, that we need to grow. When I talk with couples oftentimes dealing with marital issues or premarital issues, uh, one of them will say, well, he just doesn't listen or she doesn't ever listen to me, Right? It, it, it can lead to conflicts in the home. It can lead to conflict with kids. A lot of teenagers are now saying, hey, my parents don't listen to me, right? Okay, teenagers, you don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> Callie, that's a little too high, right? Um, but yeah, the teenagers to parents, parents to kids, coworkers, 
bosses, employees. This is a relationship that we all struggle with to listen to each other. I, I heard a, a story about a guy who went um, to talk with a, a counselor and he said, my wife just doesn't listen to me. She doesn't listen to me too. And, and I think she has an issue with her hearing. So the counselor says, well, before you go to the doctor, there's a test that you can do to see if your wife really is ha- hard of hearing now. So what I want you to do is, is do this. So he goes home and he listened to what this, this counselor said and he, he stands 15 feet behind his wife in the kitchen as she's getting dinner ready. And he asks her, honey, what's for dinner? Nothing. So then he takes five steps closer and he says, honey, what's for dinner? Still, she says nothing. So he takes another five steps. Now he's just five feet behind her and he he says, okay, well, honey, what's for dinner? She says nothing. He gets right up in her ear right behind her and says, honey, what's for dinner? She turns back and said, chicken, I've told you three times. See, really, (laughs) the issue is sometimes not that the other person isn't listening to us, but we're not listening to them. So that's just a little funny joke because it's probably you, not the other person who needs to work on listening, right? We look at ourselves first. And listening is what here that Mary is doing. She's listening to Jesus, wanting to hear everything he says, waiting on bated breath, like, what is he going to say? Have you ever spent some time around someone important, someone that you look up to, someone really wise? Yeah, and when you do, you want to hear everything they have to say, right? You don't want to miss it. Hey, even if you have your phone out all the time, you put your phone away, right? <laughs> I want to listen to this person. I want to learn. I want to grow. Because this is like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Jesus is in her home, and Mary says, I've got to eat it all up. I've got to soak it all up. I want to be a sponge with Jesus. And I think what Jesus is saying is when he's pointing to her, he's saying that is how we need to be as followers of Jesus. Not only that we're saying, hey, I want to learn and grow and become like you, that I one day want to make disciples like Jesus makes disciples, but I want to listen as actively as I can. I want to listen as actively as I can. And I think that's so important. Now, I think with this priorities that we're going to be talking about today, that we can look at it on like the weekly level, the daily level, the moment-by-moment level. But let's just take it on the weekly level for a little bit. As Christians... Since the beginning, since before Luke wrote this gospel, Christians were meeting together at the beginning of the week, once a week, so that they can get together as a community, and so that they could worship weekly and learn at the beginning. That's what they did. They listened to the apostles' teaching. That was what it says in Acts chapter 2. They would sit and listen to the disciples teach from the scriptures about Jesus. And they would do that so they have that weekly rhythm so that the start of every week starts with the Word of God entering their souls. And they would listen because we know that the Word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword and it penetrates to piercing and separating even soul and spirit. That's what it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. And we have to let the Word of God work in us. And it takes that active listening every week. So, so I'm saying that because what we're doing right now is we have to get rid of distractions, don't we? It's so easy to be distracted. we got vacuums going on over here. Little kids at the fence peeking through. we got car alarms going off. There's ants in the grass. There's a lot of stuff to distract us here in person. But there's even more to distract you that you're watching online, right? Man, there are so many things. Maybe it's the kid crying. Maybe it's the busyness of trying to get ready for lunch. Maybe you're having someone over or getting ready for this next week of school, trying to be online and half in person and go to work and do all this stuff. Man, there's so many things on your mind. Or even in the browser, there's something going on. Or you're watching on TV now, there's sports again. Okay, a lot of distractions. 
Maybe if you're thinking, hey, uh, I was watching that show last night. Oh, I can't wait to get the next episode on, right? We have so many distractions, good and bad. And it takes a lot of work to sit, to put everything out of our minds and listen, doesn't it? So, so that once a week listening is so important because God's word is, is breathed out by God. As we, as we look at God's word and we, we let God's word sink down in our souls, what we're doing is letting it penetrate our souls and change us from the inside out to transform us. But it's not just those weekly things, it's the daily things. Are we looking into God's word? Maybe it's opening up your Bible and putting it on your bedstand. Are you making sure you're getting rid of all your distractions? Or is the first thing you do, you pick up your phone and look at Facebook? Maybe we need to do something to get rid of those distractions. So are you daily listening to what God has to say? Are you reading and aren't you actually reading to learn from him? Uh, when we went, um, I think it was a year and a half ago now, we looked at Samuel and he said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Do you remember that prayer that, 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 um, that Samuel said when he was just a little boy? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Since then, I've been saying that every single morning as I open up God's word. Speak, Lord. I want to hear from you today. What is it? And I encourage you to do the same thing because daily we've got to let God's word into our heart. And it's not just we're reading it, but it's reading us, Right? The Holy Spirit searches our hearts. It knows and understands the things about us that we don't even understand. Because the Holy Spirit works through the Word of God to make us into the people of God. And we've got to listen to let it do that. And it's not just weekly, it's not just daily, but it's also moment by moment. Do you stop in your busyness to listen to God? Or are you like me and you always have a podcast or an audiobook going, right? I'm listening to something. <laughs> but am I listening to God? I just convicted myself there, right? Are you listening moment by moment? Because what if God is leading you? And if we are the children of God, we are led by the Spirit of God. It tells us in Romans chapter 8. And we must be, we must listen in every moment. How is God leading me in this? God, speak to me, give me wisdom, help me with this situation. So whether it's weekly, daily, or moment by moment, we have to be people who listen to Jesus. And that's what Mary was doing. She set us, showed us such a great example. And I think that takes an incredible amount of focus. Oh, that's hard. It's hard to focus. There were so many things still to be done, probably. But for just that moment, Mary wanted to hear Jesus. Now, I, I think we can say that pretty clearly Mary had probably been working a long time to get ready for Jesus coming, right? She would probably be there afterwards to clean up. But for that chunk of time, it was so important that she had to focus while she was there. And I think we've got to learn to refocus our minds. Because we live in a world of increasing distraction. We are digitally on all the time. You know, I, I heard this week from a pastor friend of mine and. He was talking about back in the 90s when he was trying to get a hold of his friend and he had to call him up at the office. And he couldn't get a hold of him, so he called him up again and then called him up again and then had to show up physically at this guy's office to find him. Do you remember those days? Okay, for you teenagers, that's like ancient history, right? But now we're on all the time. People can call us, text us, message us all the time in all sorts of different ways, right? Oh, I got another slack from work. Oh my gosh, there's always someone trying to communicate to you. We've got to work super hard now to focus, even harder than ever before. But when we learn to do it, it's so important. I think part of focusing is what we call meditation. 
Now, we often mix in the Eastern view of meditation that you're just like doing yoga and try to clear your mind of everything. But a Christian form of meditation that goes back to the scriptures is filling your mind with something. Filling your mind, focusing your mind on the truth of God. Do we meditate on God's word? Because if we do, we are like in Psalm 1, it says, a tree planted by streams of water. We will yield a fruit in season. Because we are saying, I will put down my roots, I will focus. The, the Hebrew word for meditate is haga, 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 because it sounds like someone chewing, right? That if you look at someone, and they're chewing on God's word, it's like a cow. Haga, 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 haga. Okay, that's the type of meditation we do as followers of Jesus. We are focusing on it, we're chewing on it again and again and again. And there's been some studies on meditation too, and, and what they've done is they've looked at people's brains that when they are meditating on something focusing on something that it actually creates in their brains and I, I don't even know the basics of brain science maybe we can talk afterwards somebody's getting their PhD in brain science over here but like to, to, to create more alpha waves that actually calms down the brain that they've been able to look at brains that have been able to meditate and focus that years, decades later they, are, they look younger than other brains that don't meditate okay, it changes the chemistry and the makeup of your brain your brain stays younger, longer, and they've even found that those people report less levels of anxiety and depression if they're able to meditate, to focus. And I think to focus on Jesus and what he says to us is the most important type of meditation. And that's what Mary is doing in this moment. Here's the most amazing thing about this is that what Mary is doing here to sit and focus on what Jesus has for her in that moment is even more important than serving Jesus. Do you guys see this? That what Mary is doing, listening, focusing, sitting at Jesus' feet, is more important than Martha who was serving Jesus. Okay? Serving Jesus is important. It's great. It's what all of you should be doing. We, we want to encourage everyone to serve somewhere in our church, serve somewhere in our community, serve somewhere globally. But even being with Jesus is more important than serving for Jesus. We've got one amen. This is maybe the hardest thing that Jesus is radically shifting our priorities. We think, no, I've got to serve. I've got to do this. Uh, I've been busy, and, and what we do oftentimes in that serving, and we talked about this last week, is that we check off our box, and we haven't even stopped to realize that maybe some of you are even serve weekly at church, taking people's temperatures, running sound, and we think, oh, that's good, I've served Jesus, I checked my box for the week. But what Jesus is saying is, that's not enough. You've got to sit at my feet. It's even more important than serving me. I, I heard one pastor say that the, the, the greatest enemy of intimacy with Jesus is serving Jesus. Now that's a scary thing. But that's what Jesus is saying here, okay? It's a radical shift. Even serving me isn't as important as sitting at my feet to learn from me as a disciple and to grow. Now, like I said, this doesn't mean Mary's not going to go and help afterwards and she didn't help before. There's, there's definitely a time for serving. But in that moment, there was nothing more important and that's why Jesus said, few things are needed in verse 42, or indeed only one. This one thing, this one thing that Mary was doing was more important than even serving me. This is radical. But Jesus explains why. Because Mary has chosen what is better at the end of verse 42, and it will not be taken away from her. 
See, everything in this lifetime will be taken away from us at some point. Certainly our work, making more money, you know, we're not taking our money or our stuff with us. Okay? And there's no U-Hauls behind hearses. We're not taking anything with us. You will one day be broken naked. Okay? It's going to happen to all of us. Our work that we spend so much time building up a career, at some point it will be taken away from us. We'll retire and it will be gone. That's why a lot of people struggle when they enter into retirement because they've built their life around doing these things and then it's gone. It's no longer there. It's taken away from them. Even our relationships, our friendships, we know that some friendships are seasonal, even the deepest of friendships. We move away. We see them less and less. Even with a Zoom call, it's not the same. Even in our family, our kids will grow up and leave the house. Even our marriages can end. All of our relationships are temporary in this life. All of our work is temporary in this life. Even serving Jesus is temporary. There will be a time where I will have to stop being a pastor. And even if I have built up the kingdom of God through a church, I will have to lay it all down. It will be taken away from me because it's not my church anyways. You guys aren't my sheep. You're on loan for a little while. All of what we do that we build up will be taken away from us except for this one thing. But Jesus is saying... My relationship with you, your relationship with me, the relationship that you have with Jesus will last into eternity. And it's only getting started in this life. Even if you live 110 years, it will just be the the tiny little fraction of a beginning for millions and billions and trillions of years that you will spend with Jesus. So spending time with him now, becoming more like him now, will be so much more important than anything else you do. That's why... The, the great poem says, lay your deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet. Stand in him and him alone, gloriously complete. We must lay it all down to stand with Jesus. And as the band comes up right now, I want to challenge you to choose Jesus. To choose Jesus as your top priority. Everything else needs to fall in line after that. Choose Jesus, whether it's weekly, daily, or in those moment by moments, I want you to choose Jesus. Say, he's my priority. He comes first, no matter what. Everything else comes after. It's radical. It's, it's a radical shift in all your priorities and all your thinking. It's radical from what our culture says, just like it was in Mary and Martha's day. It's radical even to say that what Jesus stands for and who he is, our relationship with him, is more important than the religious acts that we do to try to serve him. That's radical. But that's what Jesus says it takes to follow him in radical obedience. Choose Jesus Because Jesus chose us. He chose us, and even right now, we know in this section that he has set his eyes, he has fixed his eyes at Jerusalem, knowing that he would go there to die. That he would suffer on our behalf and struggle. But he wanted to put us first. Isn't that incredible? The King of Kings, the Lord of the universe, who created everything, would lay everything down and die so that he could save us. From our sins, even though we are distracted, even though we oppose Jesus and we get busyness and sin in the way of our relationship with him, he still died for us to forgive us, provide us a path to eternal life in him. And because Jesus was willing to do that for us, we too must lay down whatever we have at the feet of Jesus. And that's what I want to challenge you to do today. For some of you, you you might say, well, Jesus is my priority. We'll start living like it, okay? 
Start acting like it. Start rearranging the rest. Sometimes you have to say no to the good in order to say yes to the better, right? To the great. And Jesus is that great thing that we must say yes to. So maybe it's distractions on your phone. Maybe it's deleting an app. Maybe it's deleting a friendship from your life for the time being or a relationship that's getting in the way of Jesus. Maybe it's making a priority right now. You just need to set your alarm on Sunday morning so that you're there. Set your alarm for every morning so that you're spending time in God's word, even if it's just a few moments. Maybe you have to say no to a lot of things to say yes to Jesus. But when you say yes to Jesus and you choose him, it's always worth it. Because it will last forever and ever and ever. So we're going to have a moment here that I um, just want to give you guys to be silent. I want everybody to just close your eyes for a second. And I want you to think in your mind's eye about the things that Jesus right now is telling you as you're listening to him. Is it right now that he's telling you that you need to say no to, perhaps, so that you can say yes to him? What is that thing or things? Today, if you hear his voice, listen and obey. Choose Jesus. And for some of you, with everybody's eyes still closed, if maybe for the first time you're saying, I need to choose Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, I've kind of been toying around with it, but today is the day I want to do it. I want to lead you in a prayer. And you can say this along. You can even say it silently where you are. But I want you to say this prayer following after me. Father, I know that I am a sinner. And ask for your forgiveness. I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. I declare that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Please give me the gift of eternal life. I invite your spirit to live in my heart. Help me to follow you and serve others with a radical love. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you said that prayer for the first time, I want you to text the word follow to the number that's on the screen. That's 720-717-7157. And I want you to do that so I can connect with you and encourage you in this new journey of faith. But for all of us, I want to just say one last prayer for all of us who are here and online. Lord God, we come to you. We know that we are distracted. We are busy. We are putting all sorts of other things in front of our time with you. Lord, help us to radically get rid of all the other stuff, even if other people think we're crazy. But Lord, help us to be radical in our focus and radical in our priorities to say that Jesus is first. I will follow him first. I will listen to him first. I will obey him first. He always comes first. Lord, help us to choose you every week, every day, and in every moment of our lives. With the love that you have given us, help us now to love you by laying down even our crowns at your feet.